Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rills Podcast. Welcome aboard. Greetings, my good people. What is happening? What is going on? Are you ready for some football? The wait is over. The time has come. The 2020 NFL preview is on deck with yours truly here on the latest edition of the J Reels podcast. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me for now 154 episodes, I welcome you guys back here as I discuss everything from pillar to post, soup to nuts, wall to wall, NFL football. And I'll have it all for you here in just a matter of moments as we detail everything that's going on in the National Football League. Storylines, predictions, over-unders, surprises, disappointments, you name it. And on top of that, I have a very special guest which you'll hear on the back end. An old friend of mine, Kev the Viking fan. If you remember many months ago, I had Headstyle from Minnesota, Minneapolis, who kind of gave me the scene there. Not just on life being a Minnesota sports fan, but his take is far as his beloved Vikings, well, this time I have a different take from someone who was born and raised in the Bronx and has been a Viking fan pretty much since birth. So we'll get into that with Kev later on as we discuss not only the Vikings chances this year, also will COVID be a factor in this upcoming season? A lot of other things that we're going to talk about, which is a very good uh, discussion I had with him. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. But we're going to start us off here with this 2020 NFL season. I wanted to wait a night because... I needed to digest and absorb everything that took place last night in Kansas City as the champions raised the banner, usher in the new season where the Houston Texans, who got off to another quick start, not as quick as it was eight months ago when they had a 24-0 lead in Arrowhead only to lose, what was it, 51-31 or whatever the final score was. So 7-0, they jump out and the next thing you know, they get blitzed from the second quarter on, 31 unanswered to a 34-20 game. We'll touch on that a little bit later on, but I want to get right to it. The storylines for this upcoming season, and there are plenty, but not the storylines that you would possibly think. Yes, we could talk about Tampa Bay and everything that they've done in the offseason, highlighted by the signing of Tom Brady. Also, Belichick, what is life going to be like without having Tom Brady under center for the first time in 20 years? And I understand that the Cam Newton angle is also one that's Very interesting considering what he had done in Carolina. And now here he is, new team, new background, setting, etc. For the former MVP. And we could get into those two specific topics. But to me, the storylines going into this season are pretty much threefold. And a lot of them take place off the field. First off, will this season be COVID-free? We've seen how COVID has wrecked the other sports where the NBA and NHL are just trying to get to the finish line and it looks like they will considering they're playing in a bubble. We see Major League Baseball has gone through it a little bit with the Marlins that first week of the season, the Cardinals missing two and a half weeks. You had an issue with the Mets there for a couple of days and baseball looks like they've gotten out of the weeds there as far as trying to get to September 27th and hopefully get a bubble scenario for their postseason. But now the NFL is the last team standing. They've gone unscathed. 
They haven't had to deal with any coronavirus issues. If you want to say the draft, because it was supposed to be in Las Vegas and they had to do it virtually, to me, that's no big deal. We're talking about games that are being impacted, players, teams, etc. And that's going to be the big question here over the next few months, considering we haven't even gotten out of the first wave and everybody's talking about the second wave come October, November, and into December. So that's something that we must keep, number one, a bullseye on as we get ready to start this season in earnest come Sunday. The second thing is, is that there has not been any serious buzz going into the season. And we know that the preseason was canceled due to COVID. And you could say, all right, well, the NFL did have to deal with that when not having to play any preseason games. They had to wait until mid, almost late August to start practices with pads and hitting and things of that nature. But we're talking about the actual games themselves. And now that the first game is out of the way, let's see what COVID does moving forward if it does impact the the NFL. But as far as the buzz going into the season, you didn't really have any. It's almost as if once we got to late July and the baseball season began, and then you had a week later the NBA and NHL postseasons kick off, it was almost as if in a blink of an eye we're into September and it's like, wait a second, the football season starts in 10 days. And now here we are on September 11th. And of course, you have to harken back to that just terrible day in our nation's history 19 years ago. And the fallen, the heroes, the firemen, first responders, policemen, everybody who had perished. And without getting deeply into that, of course, we do remember that day. We will never forget uh, a day that will just live in this city and this country's history forever. And we do remember the fallen of what took place not only in lower Manhattan, but also in Pennsylvania and the Pentagon as well. But now, when we look at the next layer on this, so not only just COVID and no buzz going into the season, now we also have to look at it from this perspective when it comes to the social justice message that's been plastered over the last 24 hours, whether you're the Miami Dolphins who put together that two and a half minute video discussing why they're not going to come out for the national anthem come Sunday and pretty much for the entire season. When you saw the events yesterday in Kansas City, not only forget about the national anthem, we know the Texans were in the locker room at that time. And I also have to put the NFL on blast for this reason. Now, I tuned in at 8 o'clock, so I don't know what happened prior to. I don't know if they showed the Black National Anthem where Alicia Keys sang the Lift Every Voices and Sing. And who knows what type of response that that got from the crowd. If there were boos, jeers, whatever. So because I tuned in at 8, I don't know if they showed that live on NBC. So I can't really gauge whether or not that that was a factor. Now, I also remember too, I was on social media last night and nowhere did I find that NBC did air that for the world to see. And that's a disgrace on the NFL's part because as much as they want to talk about, and I, at the end of the day, I get it. It's just a national anthem. You can't get crazy. But if they were adamant about putting this national anthem in, the black national anthem that is, and then for, for them not to air it, then what was the point? What was the point of having it if that's the case? So that's a bad job on their part. So when I tuned in, from 8 to 8.20 in the National Anthem, which they had Chloe and Hallie, which looked like it was filmed in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, or maybe it was in the old L.A. Coliseum. I don't understand why they weren't in Kansas City, but that's another story. Obviously, you had the crowd in Kansas City play a big part in that. And granted, it was only 16,000 or whatever the number was. But then afterwards, where both teams locked in arms at midfield, only a couple of players had knelt. I couldn't tell if Tyron Matthew was kneeling. I know number 57 on the Chiefs was not only kneeling, but had his fist up. 
But then you also had the players lock in arm in arm across the stadium at midfield. And somebody did yell out Trump 2020 and then the booze started to rain down. Now, I don't know if it was just based on that comment. You would think so. And as you see in any type of sport, whenever there's a jeer or cheer or boo, whatever it may be, everybody else is going to follow suit. So I think what happened was, and you have to go back and replay it, because at first I was livid. I couldn't believe it. If you go to any of my social media accounts, I just blasted that whole scenario. But then when I read that somebody had yelled out Trump 2020 prior to the players locking arms at midfield, that's when the boo started to come down. And then, of course, everybody else is going to boo, whether they were booing at the guy who said that or everybody was just following suit for the hell of it. Who knows? But my main point is between the kneeling, the social justice, the message that they're putting across that you've seen in the end zones, I think that that's going to wear on a lot of people. And you saw that in the ratings last night because a year ago, the opening Thursday night game was Green Bay and Chicago. And that game was a snooze fest. That drew 23 million viewers to the sets where last night's game was 16. And I don't want to hear about, well, that was only on TV. We had the NBC app. We had all these other platforms that you could stream from. So therefore, the number was higher. Please. I get if you're on the road or you're in transit somewhere, you're probably going to have it on your phone. But if you're stationary at home and you're watching that on an iPad, uh, please give me a break. Watch it on TV. So the other factor that comes into this is how the rating is going to play. And then we know that we have a presidential debate and an election coming up, which that was a key factor going back to 2016 when Colin Kaepernick started to kneel. And we know Trump was, that train was going full steam ahead down the express track leading up until the election in November going up against Hillary. I don't know if it's going to have the same type of impact then that it'll have this time around, but you would think once those debates start, I believe it's the end of the month, and you know Trump's going to say a word or two about the NFL. That's just going to be an automatic. Let's see how the fan interest and also the participation of the NFL fan and how they're going to feel moving forward of not only watching these games, but following them, fantasy, etc. I don't think that's going to slow down anybody. If they're going to play fantasy, that's one thing. Who knows? They may not even watch the games. They may just look at their fantasy tracker or ticker and then take it from there. But those are going to be some interesting storylines. It's amazing. To think that we're talking about that more so than what's going to happen on the field, like I mentioned about Tampa or even Belichick, it just it just goes to show you how 2020 has turned out here, not only in these first nine months, but we still have three more months to go. Now, one other thing before I go through the divisions, I think another very interesting dynamic, or it's not really a storyline, but when you look at both of the conferences, the NFC is loaded with a capital L. And you can even underline it for that matter. When you look at the NFC East, you have Dallas and Philly. Philly knows is going to play a role in that race. Forget about the Giants and the Washingtonians. In the North, you have Green Bay and Minnesota are going to duke it out. Maybe can Detroit be that team that rises from below and sneaks up on teams and sneaks up on the division rivals? Same for the Bears. They're not going to sneak up on anybody because they have a good defense, but can Trubisky take his team to the next level? In the South, you're also looking at Tampa and Tom Brady, Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, that whole culture change down in the panhandle as well as New Orleans, and they're going to match up 425 on Sunday. Maybe Atlanta, do they finally turn it around and had this Super Bowl hangover for the last three years that maybe they could thrust themselves into the division and maybe a playoff spot in the NFC? 
Then out west, San Francisco, the defending NFC champs, Seattle, the Rams, Arizona's on the come up. So the NFC is just lock stocked and ready to go, whereas the AFC is the polar opposite of that. We know about KC and what they did last night. We know about the Ravens. Let's see if they could have a bounce back year, anything close to what they had last year. And then from there, there's a drop-off. You'll have the New Englands of the world. You'll have Pittsburgh. We'll see in the South whether it's going to be Indy, Houston, or Tennessee. And then in the West, take your pick as to what team may be fighting for second place if you're Denver, the Chargers of L.A., and the Raiders of Las Vegas. And that's what we're going to start. We're going to go right through the divisions. We're going to break this down. Then from there, I'll give you my surprise pick, my disappointing pick, my knockout pool pick, who I'm going to pick for week one, my over-unders, my Super Bowl prediction, and then we'll segue that right into our man Kev and then see you on the other side of that. So let's go through the divisions. We'll start. I'm going to go in the NFC because I think they're the more exciting conference. Dallas, this is going to be a huge year for the Cowboys. We all know that they're loaded on offense. To me, there's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, and I know he's been in the news lately as far as his brother and mental health and Skip Bayless and the things that he said, which I'm going to give you a little hint for those who are listening now. There's, your, there's my zero of the week. And unless somebody in the next 48 to 72 hours tops what Skip Bayless said earlier this week, then you could just put it in Sharpie how Skip Bayless was just absolutely out of line, out of bounds, and completely wrong about what he said in reference to Dak Prescott's brother and his mental health issues. But the quarterback who signed that franchise tag, $31 million or whatever it was, hasn't received the long-term deal that he wants. Well, let's see if he's going to earn it this year because he has all the weapons he could possibly have. We know about the running back in Ezekiel Elliott. They re-signed Amari Cooper. We know they drafted CeeDee Lamb. Uh, just go down the list. And their offensive line, although no Travis Frederick, the center, but it's still one of the top offensive lines in football. And defensively, they do have a very good front line. Your secondary is going to be a little spotty. So the Cowboys may be in a lot of shootouts this year, but you would think that they would be the favorites to come out of the NFC East. Philly, to me, they could either be 11-5 and or 7-9. and That's how I look at them this year. We know the health of the quarterback is of the utmost importance for this team. And even though it's Jalen Hurts waiting in the wings, and I think that he could be very impressive if Carson Wentz, the quarterback, goes down. But they are too risky of a pick because their high ceiling could be 11 wins and their floor could bottom out at around seven. The Giants and the Washingtonians, it's growing pains for them. Joe Judge, first-time coach. Let's see what he does there. Trying to bring his own Belichickian ways from New England down to the MetLife Stadium and the Jersey area, you would think with another year, Daniel Jones at quarterback, Saquon Barkley, if he could stay healthy, they do have a couple weapons on offense with the tight end, Evan Engram, Sterling Shepard, maybe they could score some points. Defensively, they have some young players on that defense, they're going to have to step up and make some big plays if they want to stay in games. And the Washingtonians, what could I tell you? New coach Dan Ron Rivera, a whole culture shift with everything that has transpired there over the years, is it going to be enough for them to turn it around? Alex Smith did make the, which is good for him, and talk about a hero, to say the least, with everything that he had to deal with over the last almost two years with his leg injury and rehab and amputation and death, uh, all that. Does he take the quarterback spot this Sunday against the Redskins, or will it be Dwayne Haskins, the number one pick from a year ago? 
But they're going to have some growing pains. That's going to be a long year for the Washingtonians until they get their feet straight and ready to go moving forward. So it's not about this year for that team. In the NFC North, Green Bay, another year with David LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. I know the offensive line is spotty. They didn't add a lot of weapons around him. They have a good running back in Aaron Jones. They have a tight end in Valdez Scalding, the other receiver, which has been there forever, Devontae Adams. But is that going to be enough? Will that be suffice for Green Bay to make another run, not only to an NFC Championship game, which they did last year, but to get back to a Super Bowl? To me, the Vikings, I think, are the better team and more balanced team in that division. I like the Vikings, although I'm not too keen on Kirk Cousins. Cousins, who's a guy that has put up numbers in his career, but in the big spot. Now, minus the game in New Orleans, the wildcard game where he was able to win big pass to Adam Thielen and then the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. But is he a guy that's going to take you to that next level? It certainly still remains to be seen despite him winning in New Orleans. But I like the Vikings in that division because they have a lot more balance. Dalvin Cook, we know the running game is stout there. No Stephon Diggs, but you figure Adam Thielen will bounce back. And their defense is very good. I know the corner's a little suspect, and we'll talk about that later with Kev the Viking fan. But I think the Vikings are the class of that division. Can Detroit take a step up with Matt Patricia? They're going to need to, because if not, he's going to be out in the street. Matthew Stafford, his health is of the utmost importance as well considering everything's pretty much revolves around him. Do they have enough weapons? Are they able to have enough of a defense to stay in these games? I think Detroit is just going to have one of those years where they may be in a lot of these close games, but they're not going to be able to pull it off because they just don't have the experience. And the Bears are another weird team. We know about their defense led by Khalil Mack. For all the reports that I read that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter and he's had a great camp. And what does that say about trading for Nick Foles, who has all that money coming to him, but he's going to end up starting the season as a backup? Trubisky is a guy that does have a little bit of ability and can run with the football. He can make plays, but he's so up and down, more down than up, that can you really trust this guy considering that he was drafted ahead of both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes? So go figure that one. When you look at the West... Arguably, this could be the best division in football where you have the Niners and you would think they're going to take a little bit of a step back here. The health of Debo Samuel going into this year. They traded DeForest Buckner, remember last year, but they have a very stout defensive line. You figure defensively, which is their bread and butter, is going to be one of the best in the league. Offensively, they are good, but Garoppolo has to win that big game, not be that guy that's going to have their offensive line as good as it is had their team run the ball to the tune of 150 to 200 some odd yards, which kind of reminds me of another team, which we'll get to later on. But you're not going to have a game where your running game is going to be so stout that you're going to eat 36, 38, 40 minutes off the clock, and then Garoppolo is only going to throw 10 to 15 passes, and that's where you're going to win your ball games week in and week out. In the regular season, maybe, but in the postseason, that's not going to happen. Seattle, with all the moves that they made, considering they bring in Jamal Adams to be the anchor of that defense or especially that secondary. Russell Wilson, another year under his belt. He's a guy that's always had to scramble, run around. Their offensive line has always been suspect. But with that coach and with Russell Wilson's guile experience, you would think that they would go a long way. And they were that close from getting a one seed last year, if you recall, 
in that last game against the Niners where they got stopped at the one-yard line. If not, there would have been a one seed, and who knows? They may have gone to the Super Bowl. And the Rams, we got to wait to see. Jared Goff, after the Super Bowl hangover year, is he going to have a bounce-back year to the tune of what he replicated back in 2018? Can he duplicate that? Also, Aaron Donald, they just re-signed Jalen Ramsey to a long-term deal. So their defense, they have their corner. They have Donald, who's an all-world defensive player. But now with no Gurley, maybe they could focus a little more on Goff in the passing game. Yeah, of course, they're going to need some semblance of a running game. But at the same time, the Rams look to try to take that step back to be one of the powerhouses in the NFC. And then Arizona is a young team on the come up. Clingsbury, Kyler Murray, you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who they signed two years, $54 million extension. So his total contract is five for 95. And you wonder whether or not the Cardinals can make some hay and see if they could get in in the back door as far as the postseason is concerned. And I saved the South for last because of Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. We all know that that was the story of the offseason and everything that had transpired, bringing Gronkowski out of retirement along the way. Just signing Leonard Fournette recently. Why did they sign LaShawn McCoy? Even though, to me, he's pretty much shot as a running back, but I guess they want to have some kind of not necessarily stability in that position, but maybe to be able to get those key yards, whether it's not only just on the ground, but in the passing game as well. LaShawn McCoy has been a very good pass catching back out of the backfield. New Orleans, with everything that has happened to them in the postseason over the years, just the bitter defeats, whether it was last year at home to Minnesota, the year before that at home to the Rams in the championship game, the year before that with the Minneapolis Miracle, Now is the time for Drew Brees and company to take it to the next level. They have one of the top receivers, if not the top receiver in the game of Michael Thomas. They have a back in Alvin Kamara, who is close to being signed long-term. They also brought in Emmanuel Sanders to shore up that receiving core. And now they're looking full steam ahead to try to get to that elusive Super Bowl over the last few years that they haven't been able to get to that mountaintop for Drew Brees to hopefully go off into the sunset as a champion before it's all said and done. And then you look at Carolina, they're in rebuild mode with Matt Rule. You can't expect much to come out of them this year. Maybe they'll surprise the people early on, but at the same time, long-term, you can't see it, even with Teddy Bridgewater there being the quarterback. And then Atlanta is another one of those wildcard teams, similar to Philly, similar to the Bears, but the Bears obviously more from the defensive side, but they're really equivalent to Philly from this regard we know they have a very good quarterback in Matt Ryan they have an all-world receiver in Julio Jones they can light up the scoreboard they could play well but at the same time it seems that ever since they lost that Super Bowl they have never been able to get on track and could this be the year as I said the NFC is loaded for them to make it to the postseason it's certainly going to be a chore and this could be Dan Quinn's last hurrah and I'm sure a lot of the rumors are going to be if they get off to a slow start he could be the first coach fired And they've given them a lot of chances. They've given them quite a bit. And now it's time for them to put up because if not, they're going to need to shut up and go home because the Falcons, for whatever the reason, ever since that loss in the Super Bowl, they have not been able to get out of their own way. Now let's get to the AFC in the East. I know it's tough to not pick New England here, even with no Brady and Cam Newton part of the fold. But Buffalo is the team that's on the rise with their young defense They bring in Stephon Diggs from Minnesota to add some more depth into that receiving core. 
They have a very good running back in Devin Singletary. We know about Josh Allen who could play just as much with his legs and his arm. And we know he has a very good arm. It's just not accurate. But the Bills who are known more for defense, they extend Tredavious White as the top corner before Mr. Ramsey out in LA got paid. And now the Bills are looking to try to be that team in the AFC where we all know it's about Kansas City, but maybe they could say, "Uh uh-uh, we want to be the next in line. We want to be up there with the Ravens of the world and even New England, and maybe it's time for them to take over that top spot in the AFC East. Certainly remains to be seen because you would think that the Patriots will certainly have a thing or two to say about that. And the Patriots, you can't discount what Belichick has done, but let's see it now without Brady. And their weapons on offense are still lackluster going back to when Tom Brady was there just a year ago. Let's see what Enkeel Harry does in his second year. Julian Edelman is not getting any younger, and he's your number one receiver. So you have a lot of guys that are on this team, especially from an offensive standpoint, who aren't going to have defensive coordinators up late at night wondering how we're going to slow or stop this guy. And defensively, they extended Stephon Gilmore. You figure that they're going to be good defensively, but the Patriots, to me, they're a coin toss. It's all about the coach and what he does. And as everybody knows, you could get me off the street to play for them, and they'll probably crank out 10, 11 wins. As far as the Jets, and I'll lump them in with Miami, the Jets, you would think that there's going to be some growth this year with the one Sam Darnold, and he has to make a leap. Not to say that they got to go from, I think they won seven games last year. Not to say they got to go from seven to nine, although which would be great. But he has to show some progress. He has to show some poise. He has to be able to make some big plays, some big throws. We've seen at times that he's able to do that. But at the same time, we haven't seen it consistently. We understand he's been out of the lineup in his first year. He was on the shelf for a few weeks there with a knee. And then last year, he started off the season with mono. So if he could get 16 games under his belt and let's see how he progresses here, it's going to be enormous not only for this year but moving forward if Sam Donald is their quarterback of the future. It's already year three. That's how fast time flies. And Adam Gase, is he going to be another guy that's on the hot seat? I understand it's his second year and who knows, maybe the owner loves him but Gase, that act will wear thin especially if he's going up against the media which I don't even know if the media, whether they like him or not, But that's also going to be another dynamic that you'll have to see from the outside, especially here in New York with the media, how Gase handles that. And I get that he's not going to have the media in front of him considering the COVID world we live in. Everything's through Zoom. But that's something you have to factor in. No Jamal Adams. Who's going to be the anchor of that defense? Is Quentin Williams going to step up? Things of that nature. And as far as the Dolphins are concerned, you're going to start with Ryan Fitzpatrick. When does Tua start? Is it going to be after week four, week eight? Do the Dolphins hang in there for part of the season? You would think they're going to take a little bit of a step up. They closed out the season strong. They won that last game in Foxborough in the final seconds to pretty much put the Patriots out of the top two seeds or especially the second seed in the AFC. And they had to play in the wild card round where they lost to Tennessee last year. And guess what? Week one, Miami at New England. So let's see what they could do to for an encore if they could go back there and start off this season the way they ended it last year. The South, this is one of those divisions where any one of these three teams, Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee, could be the division winner. You would think Indy would be the favorite only because they have a quarterback in Phillip Rivers who is not mobile, he's a statue, but he has an offensive line in front of him that he's probably 
salivating at the thought, knowing that he could have some time. He could be able to drop back, pass the ball. He's got some good targets. We know about the running back in Marlon Mack. Defensively, they're still coming together. I know it's led by Darius Leonard, the linebacker, but at the same time, this isn't your daddy's Colt team with Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Bob Sanders, and the like. So Indy could be that team that maybe can be 11-5 and and win the division, but they could also be that team that's 9-7. and Same for Tennessee. They marched to a 9-7 and record. We saw what they did in the postseason last year, more or less based on the legs of Derrick Henry. We understand that Ryan Tannehill made a few throws here and there, and they were just one game away from a Super Bowl. So now you're going to have Tannehill for a full year with a new contract. Henry has a new contract. I'm sure he's going to have a workload. The defense is good. It's stout. But with Tennessee, one week they could look like world beaters. The next week they look like they can't even score a field goal. And as far as the Texans are concerned, you see them last night. Now, offensively, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Will Filler is a guy who has to stay healthy. If he could stay healthy, he could be there, DeAndre Hopkins. Not to say that he's going to be that. But if Fuller, who is a speedster, and if he's able to stay on the field, perhaps he can make an impact in that Houston offense. And with Deshaun Watson under a new contract, I'm sure that there are a lot of hopes and a lot of fingers crossed down in Texas that the Texans could go a long way and try to get over the hump to maybe get to an AFC Championship game. And then Jacksonville is the worst team in the sport. Need I say more? Out West, it's Kansas City and everybody else as we know. Do we even need to talk about Kansas City? But you have Denver, who is a team that's going to rely on Drew Locke under center this year, who had showed some promise last year and looks like he could be a guy that, is he a franchise guy? You can't say that. It's way too early. But you know what? He's been the one guy over the last few years better than Paxton Lynch. Better than Trevor Simeon. Certainly better than Joe Flacco. So now let's see if Drew Locke could hold the position down, not only for this year, but for years to come. That remains to be seen. And you also got to remember, no Von Miller, as he's going to need surgery on that ankle where he, I believe he ruptured a tendon. I don't think it was dislocated, but you're not going to see him this year, and that's just a huge blow to that defense. You also have the LA Chargers. Tyrod Taylor, who I'm not in love with, and I didn't really watch Hard Knocks a lot. But we're going to start with him. And you know Justin Herbert's going to be waiting in the wings. Similar to the Tua scenario. Because as you know, when these high draft picks come into the fold, they usually play year one. And for the most part, a lot of these quarterbacks, they'll play early. And I'm not talking about you know week eight, week nine. I'm talking about weeks four, five, and six. Just look at last year with Eli Manning. First two games he played, they made the switch. Daniel Jones, and away they went. And that was pre-Joe Judge. That was Pat Shermer. So they already knew that, uh uh-uh, let's get this Daniel Jones train running and see what we have here as far as a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised that come week four, week five, you're going to see Herbert or Tua in the starting lineup. And they already lost Derwin James for the year with his knee. That's a huge blow to that defense, even though they do have Joey Bosa. But the Chargers, uh, I think they're going to have a rough year. And then the Raiders, Las Vegas, new digs, new home. Gruden now in his third year, he's got to make a step up. They were 6-4 and last year and looked like they were on the cusp of making the postseason and then they just fell apart like a house of cards. Now let's see what he's going to do 
whether Derek Carr bounces back anything close to his form, what was it, three, four years ago? Now, he doesn't have to be an MVP candidate, but he definitely has to be a lot better than what he's been. You have Marcus Mariota waiting in the wings there, so at least you have a backup that can play in this league, but hasn't shown to play consistently in this league. And the Raiders bringing in a guy like Henry Ruggs, who could be a game-breaker, We know that's the Raider philosophy. Get the ball downfield. Let's see what he does from that regard. And the Raiders, not in Oakland anymore, out in Vegas, will the new environment be just enough for them to take their game to the next level? And then the AFC North, the Ravens, we know the year they had last year, and a lot of people are picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody know, And I got to be objective. Everybody knows I cannot stand the Ravens. I do need to see Lamar Jackson do this again in the regular season though. Because just like I said earlier, when it came to the San Francisco 49ers, the Baltimore Ravens, their game is predicated on the run. And you could go through all the stats last year, pretty much in every game. They rushed for a minimum, what was it? 160 some odd yards a game. And some of those were in the 200s in a lot of those games. Now, of course, if they get games like that, take time off the clock, score in the process. Lamar Jackson doesn't have to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. Chances are they're going to win the game going away. I'm sure teams are going to key up on that run. They're going to do whatever it takes to spy Lamar Jackson. We know he's a threat unlike one we've seen in quite some time. But will the pressure of last year trying to build that onto this year and Maybe Lamar Jackson trying to do too much. Maybe feel like he has to do more than what he did last year to get their team to the next level. I They're not going to be 14-2. and two. They're definitely not. But is that going to be enough? Or will they have enough to get themselves in a position where they're a top two seed in the AFC? Cleveland, I know, was a sexy team last year. Cleveland's a team that a lot of people think that they could do some damage this year. But now with Kevin Stefanski, and I haven't read what's gone on in camp early on. He's a rookie coach. He's a guy that is an offensive mind. My approach is, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not to say they're going to be bad. That's not to say they're going to be 6-10, and 7-9. and nine. If they're going to be a 10-win team, I have to see them come together. And their first game to start off, and they dominated them in that building last year. But the first test for the Browns, and we'll see how far this is going to go for them this year. They're in Baltimore on Sunday. So I'm going to be waiting with open eyes for both teams, but even more so Cleveland, to see if they're going to finally be mature enough, take that next step, and really put their claws into this NFL season as a team to be reckoned with. The Bengals with Joe Burrow. We all know it's a new era there. Zach Taylor, a second-year coach. Bengals who are now looking at the future they re-signed Joe Mixon to a long deal so they have their pieces in place but there's still going to be some growing pains there despite Burrow and everything that he said and everything he's done he's shown a lot of poise pretty much looking like a 10-year veteran and good for him and good for the Bengals but this year is certainly going to be a lot of growing pains and a lot of learning So that's why I see the Bengals, although they'll be better than last year, but still a far cry. And then last but not least, my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. And the enormous key, not the big key, not a huge key, the enormous key to their season is number seven. If he's healthy, the Steelers can win a division and maybe make some hay in an AFC. 
if he's hurt or his play falls off the side of a cliff, they're going to be middle of the pack. They have some weapons on offense. They have more of a running back by committee. I know James Conner, who I like a lot, and you got to love the kid, especially with everything that he's gone through as far as his health is concerned with the whole Hodgkin's lymphoma, but he's always hurt. Can Benny Snell step in? Maybe the rookie Anthony McFarlane that they drafted from Maryland. He's a speedster, small guy. Their defense looks like they're stacked, and the one thing I love about their defense is that they know for years to come that they're going to have to go up against Baltimore. So all they have are thoroughbreds on that team. Not to say T.J. Watt is a speedster, but he's a guy that, as we all know, could get to the quarterback. Bud Dupree is back. Let's see what he does now in his franchise year. Devin Bush, as we all know, is a guy that is a hard hitter, pretty much replacing Ryan Shazier in the middle to anchor, be that quarterback on defense. A lot of speed there. Minka Fitzpatrick who a lot of people thought at the time, why would the Steelers trade a number one pick for him? Well, now you know why from what he did and the impact that he made on the team last year. Terrell Edmonds, another year in that system, another year as a Steeler. Safety, let's see what he could do. He also brings a lot of speed to the game. So that's what you like as far as the Steelers go. They're trying to reclaim their identity from the defensive side for so many years. It's been all about their offense. The Killer Bees. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, bunch of yards thrown for passes, touchdowns, etc. You name it. But now it looks like it's starting to slowly shift to the defense. And it's a good defense. It's not great yet. I got to see them be great. And hopefully this is a year that they are great. But for the Steelers, I could see them being 10-6, and six, maybe 11-5. and five. The schedule isn't that hard. And they should make the postseason. I could see them going far, maybe even to an AFC Championship game. After that, I I can't see it. So that's my steals in a nutshell for their upcoming season. And again, it's all on Ben Roethlisberger. If he's healthy, I think they could go as far as they can. If he is hurt, if he misses, even if he misses three games, and that's a lot, if he misses a game here and there, you don't want that, but maybe for a game, you could somehow scrape by depending on who you're playing that week and maybe get a win from your backup quarterback. I know they brought Josh Dobbs back into the fold. But let's see what the Steelers do. It's Again, it's all predicated on number seven. So those are your divisions, people. My surprise team this year, I like the Raiders. And the only reason why I like them is because third year for Gruden, they were about to, I'm not going to say take it to the next step, but six and four, and then they fell apart. You would only hope that he learned from that. And not that they made a ton of moves. But you figure somebody has to end up in second place in that division. And why not them? I don't think it's going to be Denver. I don't think it's going to be the Chargers. And they could beat up on those two teams. Although that's always a tough division. No matter how good or how bad those teams are. But I could see the Raiders being a surprise. I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to be 12-4. and four. No, no, Nothing like that. But for the football fan out there, if you said that the Raiders are 9-7, and seven, you'd probably raise your eyebrow and say, wow, okay. Because the Raiders have just been awful forever, it seems. And my disappointment pick, I'm going to say the Eagles, and just like it would be for the Steelers, if Carson Wentz is out, forget it. I mean, Josh McCown, again, he's the backup. I know Jalen Hurts, I mentioned him before, but McCown is back there, I believe, one more year. 
Uh, Philly just cannot survive. And we all know they drafted a wide receiver this year. And we know that their wide receiver play last year was just atrocious. But they had a ton of injuries. We understand that. But I could just see Philly taking a step back. I could see them being 7-9. and nine. They don't play in a great division. I understand that. But knowing that they have to play the AFC North. So that means they're going to face Baltimore. They're going to face Cleveland. They're going to face Pittsburgh. Who knows? Cincinnati may be a little feisty. So I'm gonna, I'd say the Eagles, I think, will be a disappointment this year. My knockout pick, the knockout pick people is just choose one team that'll win, no spread, just get the victory and go home until I get knocked out of my pool. And not that it's a pool of one, so it's not as if I'm competing against anybody. But when I look at the schedule, Indianapolis at Jacksonville, I know it's a little dangerous because it's in Jacksonville. It could be 100 degrees. These players may not be 100% in sync. If the heat starts to get to them, You may see some sloppy play. If Jacksonville's hanging around the game, you never know. They can win on a last-second field goal. It's dangerous. But the reason why I pick Indy is because, yes, it's easy to go with the teams that you figure are going to win. It's easy to say, now, I think Arizona's playing San Francisco, so not to to pick San Francisco, but the teams that you feel that are going to be there, that are going to win those week one games, you don't want to choose them just yet because you want to save them down the road. Because remember, in this knockout pool, you can only pick one team one time. So it's not as if I pick the Niners now and I'm still alive in week six. No, I can't pick the Niners then. So I figured, let me go with Indy. And last year was a little bit better because pr- the couple of years prior to that, I got knocked out in the first week. And a lot of it had to do with New Orleans. So let's hope that that doesn't happen this time around. So I'm picking Indy there. And quickly, let me go through my over-unders before I give you my playoffs and then Super Bowl prediction. The over-unders. Now, if you were on my Instagram page or Facebook, Twitter, I gave you a little tip or a heads up that I picked Houston as an over at seven and a half. And the only reason why I did so is because it's a very unpredictable division. I don't care how Indy is stacked or Tennessee with the run that they had last year. This is a more or less the black and blue division, unlike the NFC North was once, you know, back in the day. So I think Houston, even though they have a very tough opening schedule, their first four games, they can actually go 0 and 4 here. But seven and a half, even if they go eight and eight, I win. And they're not a team that's going to be under 500. And if they do happen to be under this number, seven and a half, Bill O'Brien has to go. I mean, I'm not a big fan of his. I don't think he's a good coach at all. But I would think Houston will do just enough and they'll be in the mix for the division. The division probably win you 10 games. And even if nine and seven gets you a wild card, I'm going to pick Houston as my over. So I'm going to go three overs and three unders. So my second over, I'm picking the Cowboys nine and a half. As I said before, they're stacked on offense. This is a huge year for this franchise. An enormous year for Dak Prescott with everything that happened this offseason with his contract. And the Cowboys are trying to take it finally to the next level. We know their history since 1996. They have not been to an NFC Championship game since they went to the Super Bowl back in Super Bowl 30. And this year's Super Bowl is 55. So that's all that needs to be said there. I think the Cowboys are the class of the division. I'm picking them as an over- Choice number two. I'm picking Seattle. They're nine, which is dangerous because if they're nine and seven, they're not at that half number. But I think they're going to win 10. I know that's a very tough division with the Rams there, the Cardinal team that should be better, and the NFC champion, defending champion Niners. But I think Seattle, with their coach and quarterback, their combination's been together for a long time. They know how to win games. They know how to gut out games. They have the experience. I think nine... It's right on the cusp. It's close. But I think they'll win 10. 
So I'm going to pick Seattle as my third over. And my three unders, and why even go there with this? I'm picking Jacksonville. I know this is like, oh, come on, Jay Reels. That's like taking candy away from a baby. We know their whole year and a half, they've purged everybody, even their VP of operations with Tom Coughlin. Jacksonville's going to have a long year. Maybe Gardner Minshew will have his moment or two in the sun where he pulls a game out of his rear end. Who knows? Maybe one of the London. Oh, they're not even having the games in London this year. Thank God for that. But Minshew, he's a character. Maybe he'll surprise people with a game or two, but I can't see them. Even if they win four games, I win. So that's my first pick as four and a half is an under. Denver is an under at seven and a half. That, to me, that's a very high number. Drew Locke did play well last year, but knowing that he's going to carry the mantle of this Bronco franchise moving forward is just a lot, especially when your boss is John Elway, who is Mr. Bronco. No Von Miller's going to hurt them. It's going to be all on Bradley Chubb to rush the quarterback. Remember, they lose Chris Harris to the Chargers, who has been a defensive back and a mainstay in that secondary for, it seemed like, forever. I understand you have Melvin Gordon there to now rush the ball, and maybe he could give Drew Locke a little bit of breathing room as far as a ground game and not putting it all on him to win the game. But seven and a half, I just think it's, that's a high number. It's, I think if they win seven, that'd be a surprise. So that's my second pick. And then I'm going to stay in the division. I know it's tough because they're in that same division. But because I think the Raiders will do well this year, I think the Chargers, seven and a half is an under. I'm picking them as well for some of the reasons I mentioned before. Tyrod Taylor is not the answer. Their key piece in the secondary is out for the year in Derwin James. The offense is pretty good. I mean, they do have good parts in Austin Eckler as well as Keenan Allen. Who knows with Justin Herbert when he's going to be ushered into the lineup as far as starting is concerned if Tyrod Taylor gets off to a slow start. And that's the problem because if Tyrod Taylor, if he starts off one and three or two and three, whatever, at some point they're going to go to Justin Herbert. And you mean to tell me that Herbert's going to lead them to six wins to get over seven and a half? I don't think so. That's why I have the Chargers as an under at seven and a half. So my over-unders to recap, Houston seven and a half is an over, Dallas nine and a half over, Seattle, nine over, and my unders are Jacksonville, four and a half, Denver, seven and a half, and the Chargers, seven and a half. And let me zoom through this real quick. My playoff picture, I'm not going to break down all the games, but these are the teams that are going to make it. And remember, seven teams in each conference make the postseason. Your division winners, New England, Baltimore, Indy, and KC. That's right, I did say Baltimore. Your wildcard teams are Pittsburgh, Houston, and Buffalo. NFC, Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota, Seattle are your division winners. Your wild cards are San Francisco, Tampa, Green Bay. Now, again, I don't know how this is all going to fold. I could easily say, oh, it's going to be a Tampa, New Orleans, uh, NFC Championship game and a Baltimore, KC, AFC Championship. I could say that, but you you just don't know where all these teams are going to line up. So with that said, people, I know this is going to be crazy. People are going to probably, if you're driving right now, make sure you stay at a light or make sure you don't drive off the road. I like to be different. I hate to be like everybody else. I'm sure you've seen a zillion Casey New Orleans Super Bowl picks. That was my Super Bowl pick last year. I'm sure you've seen a lot of Baltimore, New Orleans, Baltimore, San Francisco, Seattle, Kansas City, Seattle, Baltimore. I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm not doing this NBA style and I get it. It almost seems like an NBA style season because as loaded as the NFC is, you figure two or three teams will probably come out of that and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And the same for the AFC. We have two teams 
So you're pretty much looking at maybe five teams winning the Super Bowl this year. Just like the NBA in years past where it was Golden State, Cleveland, maybe Toronto, and maybe Houston or OKC going back you know, four or five years. Because other than that, you have no other team that's going to make it. Not even the Spurs for that matter. So my Super Bowl prediction, I'm picking New Orleans to win the Super Bowl. They're going to come out of the NFC. Drew Brees is going to go off into the sunset with that Super Bowl trophy. It's going to be in Tampa. And they could go to his NBC job. And the AFC representative, you ready for this, people? No, not the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, not the Ravens. Not even the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills. I just think defensively, they're stout up front. They have excellent corners. We know about Tredavious White. I know Josh Allen scares you. And how could you, Jay Reels, how could you trust this guy, whatever? I just think that the defense is going to carry them and they could be a top flight defense in this league. They have to put it together and I'm not going to sit here and say I love Buffalo to make it to the Super Bowl. I'm being honest, but I'm just not picking Kansas City. I'm not picking Baltimore. I'm certainly not picking my team. So to be different, I'm picking Buffalo against New Orleans, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. So there you go, people. There is my 2020 NFL preview. Now, without further ado, let's go to my man, Kev, the Viking fan, as we talk everything about not only just the Vikings, his love for the Vikings, the NFL season, and then you'll hear me on the other side to close us out for this edition of the J Reels Podcast. See you then. All right, on the line is someone I've known for decades. Goes way back, born and raised in the Bronx, and believe it or not, he's a Minnesota Viking fan. And if you recall, I had a podcast about six months ago at the start of this pandemic where I had Headstyle from Minnesota, Minnesotan. We were talking about everything Vikings, also T-Wolves, Twins. But since football season is here, and why not bring in my man, my mellow Kev, the Viking fan, to join me here on this podcast to talk about his allegiance to Minnesota, the Vikings, that is. We'll talk NFL, among other things. So, Kev, welcome to the podcast, my man. How you doing? I'm good, sir. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, there you go. Skull Nation full effect. All Skull right, Kev. Nation. Right. We go back decades. Uh, shout out to, of course, our guy, J.D., former radio partner, my cousin, your blood, too, who uh, yeah. obviously that's the connection that we have. But with the Vikings itself. We've known each other since we was single age. Yeah, exactly. Single age, bro. We've been doing 40 years. Oh, yeah, more than that. Yes, pushing more than four decades right now. So, Exactly, exactly. True brother. Exactly. brother. Absolutely, man. Long time coming. Long time. Now, your allegiance to the Vikings, being in New York, following a team that's outside of New York, which I guess back then was almost rare because a lot of people here in New York, of course, are either Jet or Giant fans. Please walk us through your early beginnings of why you started following the Vikings until this day now. Well, you know, being young, I I had um older cousins and, you know, just older uncle or whatever. And I would just sit and watch the games, you know, young. And it was just something about the Vikings, the defense, the nickname that just, it just took me. And I started watching a few games here and then, and I just fell in love with Tommy Kramer. That's a, that was my player back in the day. Yep, quarterback. And it's just progressed, progressed until now. All these decades suffering. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan for the Super Bowls because I was too young. We all know the history. And we've been close a couple times, 87, 98. Got blown out 
<clears throat> by the Giants in 2000. We all know what happened with, with uh, the Saints. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit of a curse on us, I guess. Yeah, we were going to go through that, absolutely. And, of course, I wanted to get your take on all those games. And the big one to me, of course, is the 98 Falcon game in the championship. But 98 w- Falcon game, Pat Summerall. Yes. He put, the, he put the kiss of death on us. Yes, Gary Anderson. Ten seconds before Gary Anderson missed that kick, he said he ain't missed a kick all year. And he didn't. What happened? And, of course, and then when they showed the stat, all the time when they put the graphic on, that's when you know it's the kiss of death. So That's when you know it's going to happen. Yep, exactly. Man was hitting from 50 in the wind. <laughs> and now you can't hit from what was it thirty something indoors? Indoors, yes. Indoors, Gary hitting Anderson. Fifty, and Gary Anderson was in his forties. Yep, still kicking. Hitting fifty in the wind, but can't get it between the uprights indoors. Crazy. Yeah. What was your first recollection of the Vikings? What was the, what was the particular game or the moment that just made you gravitate toward the Vikings? Mm, that would be hard, man. That would be really hard. I just remember, you know who else was another player I liked? Keith Nord. Mm. was a safety. He was um, um, special teams. It was just, just, I don't know, it was just maybe the nickname, the Purple People Eaters, and, you know, I would just, just got into defense. Yeah, and... Um, you know? No, Absolutely. And this is the thing, people, for the young and, listener. And in the 80s, not to cut you, we mm. were more known for defense than anything in yep. the 80s. When we got that prime team, Bowman, Joey Browner, Carl Lee. Um, Mike Merriweather. Studwell, Merriweather, when we had um, Millard. When we had a basis, before, you know, free agency. Right. You had a team. And that team was a foundation, and those were just guys Every year, I knew they was going to be there. Yep, and that's how it was back then, before free agency. That's how it was before free agency. Yeah, yep. and now, you know, you get a jersey, you got to hope. <laughs> this person is good, and they resign them. I mean, ain't nothing wrong walking around with a jersey for somebody that's not on your team no more. But you know what I mean. You spend money yeah. to represent that player. That's right. You know, back in the day, we bought a jersey. You know he's going to be there for at least five years. Yep. Wasn't crazy money like that, and like you said, was no free agency. Not exactly, and that's the other thing too for the young listener out there. Mind you, this is before the internet, way before Directv, Sunday Ticket, all these tickers. So we're watching oh, yeah, these games. That's, that's and- another. That's another thing. That's another thing. Not to cut you. Um, of course, being in New York, they show Giants and Jets. Right. But you know, us growing up. They always showed, what was it, five certain teams also. Mm-hmm. Channel 2 always showed the Steelers, always showed the Raiders somehow, and the Broncos. Yep. Channel 5, Bears, Cowboys, Niners, Vikings. So there was always a Viking game on. Like you said, we didn't have direct TV. There was no cable. But you're going to see a game or two. And, yeah. of course, you know we have Monday Night Football, yep. excellent highlights. George Michael Sports Machine basically show you all the meat parts of your game. Yep. So we had, you know, we had outlets to see, to know what was going on. And like I said, we had Giants and Jets here, but they they showed other teams. They had the teams that they, they showed a million Cowboy games, a million Niner games, Viking games, Channel 2, 
Love the Steelers. Love the Broncos at 4 o'clock in the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Even the Dolphins, too. Dolphins. The Bears had their games when they, when they was great. Yeah, oh, that... yeah, the Dolphins, yeah, yeah, they love they love them too, yeah. Dan Marino, so yeah. Dan, we, we saw games. Oh, yeah. We saw games. But it wasn't until the 90s when we started going to, of all places, for those who live in the Bronx who are fami- familiar with uh, Al's Wedge over in uh, Hunts Point, which was a strip bar, and we actually used to watch, I'm mostly Steeler games, of course, but as crazy as that may sound, that... In the early 90s, we had to go watch a game where there were actually dancers, strippers behind us, but here we are screaming and yelling, watching football as if we were like maniacs that just came off the street. Exactly. With our backs <laughs> turned to them, insulting. <laughs> it's great. And that's a true story, people. True story. Uh, so, uh, the, TV, the TV was in the corner, and, yep. and the stage was in the middle. And they, all they watched was our back of our heads. Yep. Halftime, okay, let's go buy a beer. If she's cute, yeah, it's a dollar. Oh, my game's on. Bye. <laughs> That's how it was. And then when, we, then when we progressed to Blondie's, that was it. Yeah, that was next level. Blondie's was it. Blondie's was family. Blondie's, yes. I've, I've never been in a better sports ball atmosphere than Blondie's. And, no, and I agree with you. Now, let me ask you this, and Blondie's And Blondie's took us in as family from day one. Never no problems. That's your team, cool. It's your team, cool. It was a Steelers bar. Yep. Y'all had that. Y'all had the big screen. I wasn't mad about that. Right. I, my game was going to be on regardless. That's I right. And it, it was cool. It's like, okay, I can know what's going on with the Steelers behind me. I can hear the sound. I don't even got to look. That's right. No, exactly. And that's how it was. Blondies, it, yeah. Blondies was family. No, it definitely was. Now, where do you watch the games now, uh, Kev? Do you still go to a bar? Um, no, I, um, I usually get it on my phone, like oh, okay. I said, and um, person I deal with, they have, they hear the Wi-Fi is kind of messed up to go in and out, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I, there's places I can go, trust me. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And on, um, and it was crazy, um, what was it, Two, like 2017, uh, there, there was a Vikings room on Facebook that was showing all the games. Oh, really? But, yeah, but people were commenting, and it kind of exposed, I guess, what was going on, so they got blocked off of that. Mm. Yeah, but there was it was a Vikings page on Facebook, and they was having people live feed in the games, but they was telling people, don't comment. It was something about commenting that was, like, exposing what was going on. Right. And people just kept doing it. And it was maybe for a whole season of 2015, I didn't have to go nowhere. I had to just turn my phone on and go to that room. Wow. It was the last game of 2017. Something happened. And they were like, yeah, uh, we got caught out there because people kept commenting. Like, they actually got away with it for, like, 16 weeks. Mm. Yeah, I guess all the traffic that was through the comments that people got hit to it, and then next thing you know, the internet police came, and yeah. that was it, shut it down. Yeah, it, yeah they, they was putting on, some, putting on some black. They kept saying, don't comment. Watch the game, don't comment. But, you know, you got hardheads that don't listen. Of course. And yeah, they um, yeah, they put us on blast big time. And, you know, they they lost that. 2000, yeah, I remember that. 2017, all I was doing was putting on my phone. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. As far as this year, not knowing with COVID... Not knowing with how the season's going to unfold, 
What do you think your team's going to do this year? We know the moves that they've made. We'll talk about Kirk Cousins in a minute. No more Everson Griffin, who obviously was a big part of that defense. But then on top of that, you're able to get the trade with Jacksonville for Yannick Ngakwe. I can't even pronounce his name. Yannick Ngakwe. I'll say that again. So I'm sure he's he's going to show up the defensive line. What do you like as far as your prospects this year for the Vikings? My whole thing with us is, is just like everybody else. But um, just like um, our problem's been the last few years, offensive line yeah. and block. And this has been and that has been a problem since 2012. Can block. When we had Sam Bradford, the dude literally had two seconds to pass. <laughs> literally. Yeah. All right. And when we Keenum was no better, he was just a little more durable. And it's crazy um, that we were able to even run uh, the little bit that we were. Nobody could block. It was the, the line. And then we was bringing dudes off the street. We had three right tackles in 2017. Three hmm. off the street was the last one. So the major problem for us has been line, O-line. As far as um, Cousins, I like him. He's sturdy. He doesn't get hurt. You know, give him time to pass, just like anybody else. He had a great year last year. Our play action was great. Dalvin, that's my man. I love him. Yeah, he just got to stay a little healthy. Mm-hmm. Not think about the money. Money's going to come. Stay healthy. That's, that's, see, that's what teams, they don't want to invest money in somebody that they know is going to get hurt. You keep getting them hurt, they're going to lowball you. Yeah. He get a good season this year, play 16, he can ask whatever he wants. Receivers. Adam Thielen, this is his comeback tour. Um, I saw the roster depth. Um, Ola B.C. Johnson will be our second receiver for now, and Justin Jefferson will be in the slot, but that's where he excelled last year at LSU, in the slot. Six foot one. He can run, mm-hmm. catch. Got to put a little weight on, of course. You know, but that's where he's going to be for now in the slot. On defense, our front four set. I'm not worried about that. We kept 11 D linemen for a reason. You know, we're going to, a few might be, you know, a trade off because we need some safety depth. And, you know, picking up a wire waiver, we could only keep 53. So, you know, one of them might have to be a sacrificial lamb. But as far as the starters go, oh, we're set. Um, we got the Neil Hunt at left, left end, Yannick at right end. Um, Shamar Stevens will be at the DT, and we drafted a guy, James Lynch, and he's really an outside rusher, but they thinking about moving him inside. And, you know, with his quickness, I'm not saying he could be another John Randall, mm. but he could be a little disruptive. You get what I'm saying? You know, keep them, keep them, keep them scrambling around with that front four. As far as our linebackers, um, Eric Kendricks, you know, one of the best middle linebackers in football. Eric Wilson is now going to um, replace Ben Gideon on the weak side. Gideon's still on the team, but he's got uh, concussion problems. And, you know, Eric Wilson's a little faster anyway. Mm. Anthony Barr is on our strong side. Um, they were thinking about playing a 3-4 at certain times and 
for him at rush ends, which is good because that's what he did at UCLA. Um, secondary, now here's the problem. Corners. Whew. You got Mike Hughes, who's coming back off an ACL from two years ago, and he messed his neck up last year. He's going to be cornerback one. Got to stay healthy. He's not doing no more punt returns. Got to stay healthy. Other corner's going to be Holton Hill. He's a big guy. He can run. He's been suspended two years in a row. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, you got to watch out. <laughs> come on, bro. Yeah. You know, you've been, you were suspended eight games last year. You were suspended a couple of games the year before. So that's a problem. You know, is this guy going to be reliable? Is he going to get in trouble? Okay. Jeff Gladney that we drafted in Cameron Dantelia. I've heard nothing but great stuff about them in camp. Um, if you ask me personally, uh, I think Dan Salia should be the nickel because that will give us one. Because uh, Hughes is 5'11", Houghton Hill 6'1", Dan Salia 6'2". So that would give us two tall corners, one tall guy in the slot. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And everybody else will work their way in. Jeff Gladney, he was our first pick. He'll work his way in. Like I said, you know, Houghton Hill can't trust him. So maybe most likely if Gladney's playing up to how he's supposed to and um, if things start going a little herky-jerky with Houghton Hill, maybe Gladney will move into that second cornerback spot. Safety, uh, the starters, we don't have to go into that. We're solid. Got Harrison Smith. Anthony Harris, you know, he's playing on the franchise tag this year. Uh, See what we have to do with that because, you know, him and Dalvin looking for big money can't keep both. And, you know, the salary cap's supposed to go down next year or something, right? Yep. Supposed to be okay. And as far as now, we don't got no backup safety. There's no backup safeties. The guys that we drafted, we all cut, and we brought back Josh Metellus. He's on practice squad. So overall, as right now, uh-huh. so as of right now, there's no backup safeties, which you know ain't gonna go into the season like that. But as of you and I speaking right now, there's no backup safety. So overall, you like your team's chances this year. I mean, we could start with the division and go. You know, expand oh, okay. after that. Do the division. Well, oh, yeah. Well, my thing I'll is... I'll be honest. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, what I was going to ask you was is that considering that the way it's shaping up here, you figure Green Bay, after the first year with LaFleur, let's see what happens with how they're going to perform this year. You would think they're probably going to be somewhere at the top of the division. Same with you guys. To me, the wild card in that division is going to be the Lions. I don't believe in the Bears. I know their number was eight and a half as far as their win total is concerned. But I don't believe in the Lions either, bro. No, exactly. And I know that a lot of people look at them as a pseudo-trendy pick to be one of those sleeper teams. But to me, I think it's just going to be a two-team dogfight between you guys and the Packers. What do you think about that? Um. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much, pretty much going along with that also. Um, with the Packers, it depends on... Keeping Rodgers upright. They didn't draft anything to help the man. No. They actually drafted somebody to replace him. Yeah. They drafted a, a fullback. You get what I'm saying? So you didn't really draft to help the man. Um, would they get in free agency to help him? Nobody. Yeah. You get know what I'm saying? So he's basically on his own. They're going to they're gonna do what they're going to do. Yeah, Green Bay is always going to be there, of course. Um, they're, they're, they're my number one. As far as I'm not even, the Bears, 
the Bears now, the Bears are interesting because, to me, I like Mitchell Trubisky. Really? Oh, wow. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's, you know, a top-tier quarterback, but, um, see, this is what this is what messed me up with them. They totally got their running back situation. I mean, I'm happy about it, but they got their running back situation totally messed up last year. Yeah, they did. That's what messed up Trubisky. There's no way Tariq Cohen should be starting at 5'8". Yeah, no. When you got David Montgomery there. Yep. So that's really what messed them up. Because by the time they started playing Montgomery, their season was already in the pits. Yeah. And they was already down on Trubisky at that point. So, you get what I mean? They... The Bears, they got that defense. They got Khalil Mack. You know, they got their corners. Um, they're always tough. They're always tough. They're always tough. And like I said, they they got the good receivers. Allen Robinson is a beast. You know, they went and got Jimmy Graham. I don't know why. I know. He's an old but, man. But, uh, you know, Anthony Miller's fast on the other side. Their whole season hinges on Trubisky. They got to keep him safe. And as far as the Lions, well, my thing is, Stafford, he, he, he to me is like Tony Romo. He's got a bad back now. Mm-hmm. And they can't protect you that well. So, you know, and they never have their running back situation correct. They drafted DeAndre Swift. He's hurt. Yeah. No, well, and that, that, they, they never have their running back. Ever since Barry left, they never have their running back situation in set. No, never. They got Jeff Okuda. He's good. He's only one man. Desmond Trufant on the other side, he's decent. But you get what I mean? Okuda's a rookie. You can't expect him to come in and play like Dion. I mean, if he did, oh, hey, yeah. you get what I'm saying? No, absolutely. You were a high pick. You, you had the credentials, the pedigree. Okay, we're not surprised, but you are a rookie, and with rookies, you never know. You know, it's a lot different than playing against a 19-year-old freshman in college. Now, this is a grown man blocking into you. It's a grown man running back, running towards you. And he's a big kid, don't get me wrong, but it's not college. Nope. Definitely not college. Now, that's the one thing about that. Definitely not college. No. Now, the NFC, to me, Kev, is loaded. Because you literally have two teams in each of the divisions that could actually make a push to go deep into the postseason or even to a Super Bowl. Now, who knows? Obviously, we haven't seen one play. I'm not a preseason guy like I once was, so I can't really judge based on if there were preseason games and how these players have performed. And as you know, most of the players don't even play. But my point is is that exactly. But if you're looking at NFC East, Dallas, and Philly, you figure they're going to fight tooth and nail for the East Central, we already talked about. Also, the South, you know, Tampa. Obviously, everybody's going to pick them to go close to a Super Everybody, Bowl. Everybody's on Tampa. No, of course. This super team, that's another team. You went and got all these players. I don't remember you getting any premier offensive lineman to block for this for this statue. And the one guy, he actually left for COVID, the left tackle. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But the left tackle decided to sit out for the rest of uh, the year because of COVID-19, so now oh, yeah. you got a big hole, a glaring need on that left side. Exactly. This guy is not the most mobile guy. Nope. At all. Um, and plus, I'm, I'm a, it's, it's incentive in the NFC not to have Tampa beat you. Yeah. 
You know, this guy comes over. Tampa was middle of the road for how long? Oh, jeez. Now this guy comes over and, and everybody wants to go play for Tampa. It's like with uh, LeBron with the Heat. <laughs> and him on the Lakers now with us. Right. Now you want to come play with us? Yeah. There's so many players on the Lakers I don't want to see, bro. It, it just blows my mind, bro. Yeah. Everybody want to follow, follow to the superstar. Now everybody's following to Brady. Yep, that's how Who it is. They signed the other day. Who they signed oh, the other day? Yeah, oh, Leonard, Fournette. Leonard Fournette. Yeah. So you got how many? So what was the sense in signing uh, Shady McCoy? Right, and he's a relic anyway, but exactly. I guess they're only going to use him for certain situations, I guess, because, yeah, what was the point in signing LaShawn McCoy if you're going to – now, of course, they didn't know Fournette was going to be out on the street, but at the same time, right, it was just a, a matter of plucking him and looking at it from a standpoint of, well, hey, the more people we got and that want to be a part of this team, let's just do it, salary cap to and, hell. And that's another thing. Where did their salary cap go? Yeah, well, I'm sure Gronkowski isn't making a lot. And when you think about it, too, yeah, that team, maybe other than Mike Evans, uh, defensively, I know they drafted a kid last year. Was it um, Devon White, the linebacker? Yeah, he's not making a, Devin White, yeah. Yeah, he's not making a ton of money. I'm thinking Devon White. The, yeah, Devin White. Devon White, I got the center fielder from Toronto in, in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, and um, isn't Chris, Chris Godwin should be coming up for a contract soon? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's gotten the big payday yet. But other than Evans and maybe a couple other people off the top of my head, yeah, they they pretty much, I guess, they have the flexibility to bring all these people in. It's just crazy, man. I know. I'm not even sold on them. Because they in a division, they got the Saints. You know what I mean? You got to stop Breeze. This guy, he's in his 40s. He's still throwing BBs. Michael Thomas, damn, what, 150 catches last year? Yeah. Come on. No, exactly. Come on. And then the Falcons have some firepower. I mean, that's a team that they've been hit or miss. Firepower on offense always. Yep. And they have defense is soft. Yeah, big time. You got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop Julio Jones. You got to stop Christian Kirksey. You get what I mean? Matt Ryan is four thousand yards easy every year. Yep. And then on top of that, it's not going to be easy for them. Not at all. No, and then on top of that, too, then in the West, you have the Niners, you have the Seahawks, and the Rams. So that's what I mean. The NFC is going to be... That's more, that's more offense and defense right there. Exactly. So unlike the AFC... Whole, yeah, no, the whole... The AFC. No, unlike the AFC. interesting, the AFC. No, nah, to me, it's um, wide open. I mean, I understand Kansas City... Open, and I'm not picking the Chiefs. Yeah, no, neither. Because, again, they got by off my homes. I never saw a team... Like, their defense was soft, bro. Yeah, and I'm not sold on their defense either. Their defense was soft. It was just this guy's putting up 40 points every week. Yep. You get what I mean? All they had to do was stop you once or twice, and boom, boom, he's going he's gonna to put two touchdowns or at least one and a field goal up on you. That's 10 points now you got to make up. Yeah. And to me, and, right. No, go ahead. And like I said, this guy's putting up points left and right, so – yeah, you score another touchdown, it's 10-7, boom, before you know it, it's 17-7. Got to start from point A again, trying to catch up. All you got to so do is... Their offense got them by. Well, do... time. Oh. I'm not sold on their defense at all. No, now, neither am I. The interesting ones to me in the AFC are the Steelers, because Roethlisberger's coming back. A full year with Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You got your linebackers, T.J. Watt. And everybody, Steelers are going to be tough. I'm not even sold on the Ravens. Keep it real. Because they're going to get this guy hurt. Yeah. 
I've been saying it all along. He just got hurt. He can only run and get hit so many times, bro. Yeah, and I've told people that a million times over, whether I'm arguing with people at work or even more so on Facebook with some people that follow the NFL. I've said this all along. Lamar Jackson is 6'2", 210. He is not built like Dante Culpepper. He is not built like Cam Newton where he could absorb hits. And I get that he's elusive. Exactly. And people tell me all the time, oh, yeah, well, if he can't catch him or if he's juking or you know, doing the Madden, the Madden spin moves on everybody. I say, yeah, I get that, but come on. That's only going to – that's going to end at some point. And he's going to have to learn the position. Yeah. No, exactly. One low hit. Oh, one low hit is all it takes. Yeah, he's done. And you're done. Yeah. Well, Vic stopped running around after a while. Remember, he started getting dinged around. Yeah, of course. And Vic is what six he foot, like two hundred pounds. Around. Yeah. Huh? Exactly. This dude, and he's this dude, like you said, he is not big. I give Lamar Jackson credit. He's fast. No, he he's is. Elusive. It takes one hit, bro. No, and exactly. You're not exactly running out of bounds. You're not doing Franco Harris. <laughs> We actually like you get what I'm saying. This dude is actually like running, trying to like trying to out. He's trying to juke you, and you're going to juke yourself into a hit. Yep. Either and that. Either what that. You do after that. No, I was going to say real quick. Either that or worse, he could suffer that injury where he's going to have that non-contact because he's making a cut, and all of a sudden his knee goes one way and his body goes the other, exactly. and then forget it. That, that, like that Liz Frank injury, ex- yep. pressing down on you, you, you know what I mean? Hitting a certain angle in your foot, and that little bone breaks. Yeah, yeah. You know how long that takes? Forget that, it. That could literally ruin you from, from ever running again, bro. Yeah, yeah. That Liz Frank injury. But your team, back to the Vikings, so you, like Kirk Cousins in a big spot, obviously you had that big game in New Orleans, overtime, gets the win there on the road. I know the Niner game was tough. I know we threw that uh, pick there in the third quarter, which pretty much uh, set the ball rolling for the Niners to win that game. But you do have a lot of confidence in Cousins taking you. I have a lot of confidence in Kirk. Captain Kirk. All right. No, that's good. Yes. I have a lot of confidence in him. He got his money. Like I said, he's very durable. Don't get hurt. That's what we need. You know what I mean? As long as we can protect. That's our main, that's our Achilles heel is the old line. We got to protect. Give them some time. You know, I'm not worried about run blocking because they can do that. Yeah. Outside zone stretch plays, that's nothing. You know what I mean? All you got to do is hold on to your man and just let him run by. But we got to keep Kirk upright. And the line, that's, that's, that's our Achilles heel is the old line. Were you sad that Stephon Diggs was traded, or did you feel like you had enough of him considering that he was the type of guy where he could uh, catch two balls and win a game and pout about it, but he'd rather catch 15 balls, 150 yards, and two touchdowns, and then he'd be and in a loss, he, and he'd he be happy? Me of, he reminded me of Percy Harvin without the injuries. Mm. My man, no ball is going to be thrown directly into your chest every time. You get what I'm saying? That's right. I don't know why really Steph was complaining. He was getting the ball thrown to him more times than any. Matter of fact, didn't he lead the league in uh, average per catch? I think so, yeah. So you're getting bombs thrown to you, bro. <laughs> it's not like we th- we they thinking it off to you and letting you get the yards on your own and you're getting banged around. You, you basically was running a lot of fly plays and catching the ball. What more do you want, bro? Now, two other- now you're going somewhere where it's a lesser quarterback, cold as hell in Buffalo. You get what I mean? Yeah, I don't know Wins. how. Yeah. 
hey, it's, it's, we're going to see. I like Steph, but some guys let their egos just, you know, you getting the ball thrown to you, bro. What what more do you want? So how Bernie far? Harvin had the nerve, like, oh, I, I need the ball thrown in my chest. Bro, you're not exactly like 6'2". Yeah. Yeah, you're not Calvin you Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah, you're not yeah, Calvin you're Johnson. Not Calvin Johnson, bro. <laughs> you complaining you need the ball thrown into your chest, okay? But you see what happened with Percy Harvin after he left us. Oh, I know. Career went down the hill. Yeah. Couldn't stay healthy. So it wasn't us. He was blaming us. Nah, it wasn't us, bro. Now he had all the migraines, too. Yeah, no, of course. migraines. You had a bad attitude. Yeah. And Steph, Steph Diggs, you know, he... He didn't get hurt like that, but attitude, man. Like, you're getting balls thrown to you. What more do you want? Exactly. Again. And then when Thielen went down, you were the main receiver. They're still complaining. When Thielen got hurt last year, you were the main receiver. It was you, Chad Beebe, and Ola B.C. Johnson, and Laquan Treadwell. Who's getting the ball? (laughs) Of course. Come on, bro. What more do you want? Yeah. Now, how far do you think the Vikings could go this year? Man, look, I, I, I'm not like dudes, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. I'm realistic. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to be 10 and 6, mm-hmm. 11 and 5. That's my prediction for us. And we'll take it from there. And it's any given Sunday at that point. Nobody thought we were going to beat the Saints. They had revenge on their mind from the Minneapolis uh, Miracle in Minneapolis game. Yep. Nobody thought we were going to beat them. You get what I mean? We was down. Cousins threw that bomb to feeling. Boom. At the two. Kyle Rudolph. That's it. There you go. You know what I mean? Nobody expected us to win that game. So it's any given Sunday. As long as you can make it to the playoffs, any given Sunday. But, like I said, I'm realistic. I'm not saying, oh, we're going to be 13-3, 14-2. and two. No, we're going to lose games. I-, I told people this all the time. We're not losing to Tampa. <laughs> We're not losing to Tampa. Tampa, we play week 14. Brady might not even be there by then. That's a long time. And like I, like we said, that line ain't the greatest. He might not even be there. I think people say, God, if losing to Tampa, I think we'll lose the Texan game. Hmm. That I'll swap out a loss. Because like I said, everybody got us losing to Tampa. I think we'll beat Tampa, but we'll lose to the Texans. But like I said, we'll be ten and six, eleven and five. I'm realistic. I'm realistic. No, I'm that's not good. Screaming thirteen and three, fourteen yeah. and two. If it happens, it happens. That'd be beautiful. We got a tough schedule. We got to play Dallas, Tampa. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Our two games against the Packers. Two games against. So you know what I mean? We usually split with the Bears. We're not gonna lose to the Lions. Hopefully. Get oh, yeah. probably split with the Packers. You know, I want to get this game on Sunday. You know, get ahead of them in the division first. Start that off, and we'll take it from there. Like I'm realistic. I, 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 hey, I, I don't ever. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. We don't got a Super Bowl team, right? But we got young corners. Yeah. We got young corners. We got a. We got a iffy so. If the offensive line so far to start, you know, over time you you gel, you know, you know where this one's going, you know, 
you gel together. But as of right now, our O line is it's it's shaky. It's shaky. Yeah. All right, now so we're moving. Our new left guard is Dakota Dozier. We drafted Ezra Cleveland. He's a backup. You know, Pat Elfline wasn't doing that good. Now they moved him to right guard. It's like, you went, you get what I'm saying? You went from center to left guard to right guard. Ain't, ain't much, you know, you're not going to get many more chances, bro. No, bouncing around like that. Definitely not. Yeah, you're not. All right, so what was the worst loss as a Viking fan? Was it 98 versus Atlanta? NFC Championship game, 2009. Yeah, which is the one that... I know they all stick to the ribs. I mean... They all stick in the ribs. But which one's Um, the worst? Um, 98 really affected me, bro. But I ain't gonna lie. The the 2000 loss to the Giants in the NFC Championship game. And I know why. That affected me more than anything. Really? Because we didn't show up. (laughs) Right. 41 nothing. yeah. We did not show up. You guys were still in the hotel. Not Forget about the bus. You didn't even make it on the bus. My man, we were still in Minnesota. Yeah, for real. We wasn't even in the stadium, bro. Yeah, that was... 41 nothing, bro. How how you get blown out 41 nothing with Carter and Moss on the team? Mm-hmm. Robert Smith on the team. And Kerry Collins was the quarterback of the Giants. Come on, bro. I understand he was a top pick, but still. Nothing? Yeah. We yeah. couldn't even get a safety out of it. <laughs> or even a field goal, yeah. Nothing. Come on, bro. That that to me that to me was that to me hurt more than anything. Ninety eight, yeah, that hurt because we were dominant and I know we could have beat Denver that year. Yeah. I knew we could have beat Denver that year. It would have been a better we game. So, yeah, we was dominant. I knew we could have took Denver that year. But you know, God didn't didn't have this in our plans. Okay, we skip ahead to two thousand to ninety nine two thousand. It's like all right, you know we Dante Culpepper his best year. You know Robert Smith leading the the NFL and, and rush. It's, it was everything was there. We in it's the Giants, like you said, Kerry Collins. Forty one yeah. nothing, bro. I know. Yeah, that was bad. Forty one to nothing. You didn't show. No. Yeah, and those are the show. and those are the games that even though there's the thinking where if you get blown out, it's like ah, we weren't in the game, whatever. But it is, still is an NFC Championship game, and it's one of those things where when you had a no show like that, I can even go back to the Eagle game, first drive. What, what you get, did you work? What did you work hard for all year to do those playoffs? All that to not even show up the last the the, the game that really counted the most before the Super. You did not show up at all. No. Yeah, that's rough. 41 to nothing, bro. Yeah. And I never forget when I got, when I went home, I went to work the next day. I'm ducking people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? On the block. They they, they all know me, Jay, Jay, the Cowboy fan. They know Josh. They know. So I'm ducking. I come back from work the next day and I get off the elevator. My neighbor's like, oh, there's something on your door. So I figure, you know mail or something. I get to my door and somebody plastered my door with the headlines of the New York Times, the Post. You went 41 nothing, bro. Yeah. Like you're taunting me. Like you went, you get what I mean? Like you actually went and spent $10. <laughs> in newspapers. On a newspaper and, and plastered it on my door. Like to this day, I don't even know who did that. Damn, look at that. 
It's crazy, bro. I don't even know who did that. All right, let me ask you two other ones before I let you go. Do you think this season is going to be unaffected by COVID, or do you think that there's going to be a stoppage at some point throughout the season? Yeah, it's going to be a top because all it takes is for a few people, stars, to get sick, and they're going to start shutting stuff down again. They're already not letting fans in. Some people are letting in the fans for, you know, week two, week three, after they see what's going on. All it takes is for one star to get sick or a few on one team, and they're going to start shutting it down again. Yeah, who knows? We may be... Players can't play in masks because you're no. already under pads and helmets, so you're already, like, your your body pores aren't breathing as it is. You know what I mean? Of course. So now you're going to put a mask on. You really... The only pores that's breathing on your body is what, your hand. Well, not even your hands, because a lot of them wear gloves. Yep. So what, is this going to be your forehead? Like, it's, it's, this is a weird situation with this, man. No, of course. I don't get it. You, you're going to let me or whoever bang around on each other and tackle each other all game, but I can't swap jerseys? No, I know. That's ridiculous. Come yeah, on. No, that was nonsense. <laughs> they got to have it super cleaned and mailed. Yep, that's it. Whoever. After exactly, which is a uh, total waste of time. And then the other thing is... Why have us play and bang against each other if I can't swap my jersey with this person? Right. (laughs) And then the other thing is this whole thing with the anthem. Now, there's going to be no fans in the stands, so you take that equation out of it. Who knows what kind of controversy it's going to be, especially for the people who are watching from home. But I already hear the backlash. Considering that the NBA has gotten so much flack for, you know, pushing the message out. And rightfully so. They have every right to do that, and all the leagues have done that. But the NBA has been front and center, and you know the NFL is going to do the same thing. You're going to see Thursday night, Titans, uh, Texans and Chiefs. I'm sure you're going to see Deshaun Watson, maybe even Patrick Mahomes, whomever's going to be kneeling. And I could hear the NFL fans saying now, ah, you see, this is what I'm talking about. This is why these athletes are spoiled. What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm never going to watch the NFL again. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Those ain't real fans. Exactly. Those aren't real fans. Real fans understand what's going on. The ones, the, the, the closeted racists and the boot, cop bootlickers, oh, it's disrespecting their military. Where does it say that? <laughs> it has nothing to do with the military, and you know that. They're just ignorant. I mean, what could you say? I, it's... Kevin, this is what I'm going to love about it too, because these real, people, real, real fans, real fans are going to be there. That dealing don't even matter because, bro, number one, they don't even show the. This is what gets me. This is what kills me with this with this BS with the kneeling. When the national anthem is played, they don't even show the players. No, they never do. They'll show the players from the chest up. They. Rarely show, and when, like I said, they rarely show the players. They they show the crowd. You know, in the national anthem on TV, they show the crowd. They show here. They show there. They're not focusing on the players. And when they do show the players, it's always from the chest up. So you're not even going to know who's kneeling unless you're actually in the stadium. Right. But here's the thing. That wasn't the controversy. Now we have to go back to Colin Kaepernick because this is how this whole thing got started. It wasn't until he started to do that where the network started to key in on the national anthem. Because as you well know, that national anthem is usually sung at like 10 to 1. 
before these games or five to one because once one o'clock comes, they may say, hey, welcome to MetLife Stadium, blah, blah, blah. All right. And then the Giants are going to receive the kick and whatever. And that's it. They don't have this 10 minute uh, lead into the game. It's usually they go right exactly. to the booth you and then kick off. ever see the, the only time you really see the anthem is um, Sunday Night Football. Or the Super Bowl, of course. Or the Super Bowl, Monday Night Football. You don't really, no many times that they, that, um, they, the anthem is going on and they cut away. Right. No, they do. But no, but now good, the focus is going to be with everything that's gone on in this country, especially since uh, the middle of May or late May with George Floyd. And now with the messages that are being put out throughout the leagues and the NFL, you know, they're going to be front and center. And good. I hope they show everybody kneeling. I hope they go before. And you know they're going to show the National Anthem because this is the first game. And with all the magnitude of the Chiefs, not only winning the Super Bowl, but everything that happened this offseason, it's going to be divisive because I know I can see it on social media now. I've already seen the complaints. I've already seen people talking all this smack about well, the I'm NBA. No, okay, well, good. We don't, we don't need you to watch. Exactly. I've said that. And because you're not a real fan. If some guy's kneeling for 10 seconds bothers you, you're not a real fan. Yeah. I mean, please. Find something my else focus, to do. My focus is not on the anthem, bro. My focus is what's going on on the field. Yep. That two-minute song? Come on, dog. Really? No, and we know that song Y'all is... really killing yourselves. And, and, and this is what kills me also. All these fake patriots. Were you in the service? <laughs> no. Um. Did you ever... So, so where is patriotism coming from? I love my country, too, but I'm not hyper on it. Right. I'm not going to let it affect me, bro. No, exactly. Real fans don't care about this kneeling. Nope. They kneel. It's for a reason. Let's get on with the games. That's it. If that offends you, then there's something going on with you. That's it. Look in the mirror. The cold heart's there. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, bro. They only want the black, like, just dribble. Yeah, shut up and dribble. We're not supposed to have no... Other thoughts, but how to dribble a ball, how to catch a ball, how to hit a baseball. No. I'm supposed to keep my mouth shut, stuff going on around me. You get what I'm saying? Listen, and you're African-American, so you know. You know, they just just want to put it like this, bro. They don't like when black people speak out. Of course. I'm going to say it like that. No, straight up. You know how that goes. They don't like when black people speak out. And... I see the funny stuff, all the racist stuff going to Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he's like Derek Jeter. He's half black. Right. But he don't look it. Excellent, man. We knew Kaepernick was black because you've seen his story and, you know, the hair and all of that. Uh, I could, uh, we could. Yo, you, you know, he, you know, they got him on Madden now. Oh, for real? I didn't know that. Bro, you can download Kaepernick now in franchise mode on Madden 21. His rating is 81, too. It's crazy. Yeah, it is bananas. Oh, Kev, good stuff, my man. I hope your Vikings go long and far this year. It would be nice that uh, when the game is in Tampa, if it's uh, Steelers and Vikings, that would be uh, a a great way to end a football season. Beautiful. We make our way down there. Yeah, absolutely. Please, that would be first and front and center to take the trek down there to see if somehow, some way we could get in. Who knows? They got to have fans get to that game because there's no way they could have a stadium. I, I get there may not be 80,000, but something's got to give as far as having anybody attend this game because it's the biggest sporting yeah, event of the year. Yeah, probably first come, first serve or whatever. Yeah, so. But Kev, 
Much appreciated, my man. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk throughout the year. We'll see how this NFL season goes. Hey, man, you can call me anytime. We can talk about this. All right, I want to thank my man, Kev, the Viking fan. That was fun. Very good discussion he and I had. I hope you enjoyed that just as well. As I say after each and every podcast, for those who are listening for the very first time, the third time, fifth time, tenth time, twentieth, or even 150th time, if you haven't subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast, I implore you, please, to do so. I would greatly appreciate it. And the reason being is because I want those who aren't familiar with this podcast, A, to know that not only do I independently produce, write, edit, and host this podcast, but with all the others that are out there, and we all know there's a ton of them, and I'm sure you probably follow quite a few, but this is the one podcast that I talk about everything. It's not just football, it's not just basketball, baseball, hockey, uh uh-uh. This isn't a niche sports podcast. This is all-encompassing. So with you subscribing, rating, and reviewing to get the word out, and you could do that on any of the podcast platforms that you subscribe to, whether it's on Apple, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, etc. If you could do that for me, again, greatly appreciate it. All that will do is increase the visibility of this podcast and at the same time generate interest for those outside who aren't familiar with myself and the J Reels podcast to bring that guest on, whether it's the former or current athlete, the broadcaster, the writer, blogger, studio host, etc. So if you could do that, again, I would uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You want to follow me on social media? You can please do that as well. On Instagram, J Reels or the J Reels podcast, which is strictly on the podcast and sports. On Twitter, J Reels one, just a number. On Facebook, the J Reels podcast. And if you want to send me a DM on any of those aforementioned social media platforms or the old fashioned way by email, you could do so at the J Reel podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be, please send it my way. I'll be sure to follow up. And then lastly, for those who want to support the J Reels podcast and everything I do behind the scenes, production, equipment, etc., you could do so on my Patreon page, which is www.patreon. That's P is in Paul, A T is in Tom, R E O N is in Nancy.com slash the J Reels podcast. Anything that you'd like to contribute, I would sincerely appreciate it. And then, of course, for those who do participate in that and contribute, uh, over time, I'll have some exclusives. I'll have certain things that will come up, some maybe even some merchandise down the road. So until that platform starts to flourish and blossom, I'll be able to get my hands in on that a little bit more. But right now, it's still in its early stages, but you could go take a look at it on that page. And if you could contribute whatever it is that you want to, I would, again, from the bottom of my heart, completely and thankfully appreciate it. Because if you do know or don't know, I love to talk about sports. It's in the blood. Since birth, 154 episodes in, I plan to do 154 times 10 on top of that, if the good Lord is willing to keep me here. Whether it's on the diamond, on the ice, on the gridiron, on the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it, from my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Enjoy the opening weekend of the NFL season this coming Sunday. We'll talk about it all on Monday. And until that time, everybody, I appreciate you guys. On the flip, baby.